Hello and welcome to Moving Beyond Stigma. I am your host, Michelle Crossman, and this is episode five. Every episode, we are here to talk about all things mental health, and today I'm honored to welcome Chantelle Sands, who is a registered therapist from Fireweed Healing. Welcome, Chantelle. Hi, Michelle. Thank you for having me today. Of course. I am so excited. There is something that I would just love to share before we get started. Um, One, that we are in completely different time zones right now, (laughs) Um, and we've never actually met in person, and I found you honestly just by browsing different mental health websites, because I do that in my spare time sometimes, (laughs) (laughs) you know, just to see who's out there, and I'm just fascinated at what people put out there. Um, And I came across your website, Fireweed Healing, and was just drawn in immediately. And one of the things that drew me in was a little quote that was underneath the title. And it read that fireweed is the first plant to return to the land after the devastation of a forest fire, regenerating the soil for new life to grow. A reminder that beauty can show up in the most unexpected places. Fireweed Healing aims to provide a nurturing environment for you to return to yourself and blossom. When I read that, I got goosebumps. And that, along with so much other information that you had on your website, is 100% the reason why I reached out to you and really just felt like we should have a conversation. I just kind of trusted my gut on that one and wanted to chat with you. So thank you so much again for joining me today. Very excited to chat. So before we get started and into all of the questions, would you like to tell us a little bit about yourself and I guess what brought you into wanting to work in the field of therapy? Yes, of course. Um, first, thank you. I'm so honored and glad um, that that really spoke to you. Um, I fully created my website and um all of those are just ter- personal touches um, that yeah. I put in there. Um, and that's really what I'm hoping for is that when people look at it, um, that the right people will be drawn in. Um, so thank you. Um, yeah, so I have always known that I wanted to be a therapist. Um, I started my own therapy quite young. Um, at the age of 16, I was... Um, really going through a hard time. I'd moved out of my house. Um, I was dealing with a lot of my own pain and my own trauma. Um, and I had started working uh, for the first time with a therapist that really, really made a difference in my life. Um, and it had been, it was a long, hard struggle to get to the place that I'm at now. Um, and so quite Within the first year, I think between the age of 16 and 17, I was like, nope, this is what I want to do. Um, mm. And so at the age of 18, I did a one year certificate program. I had talked to the therapist and said, um, I want to do this. Um, I'd already been a support person in so many people's lives already. Mm. Um, and so was naturally sort of doing support work and the holding space for people already. Um, and they had recommended to me uh, to try out the one-year program uh, at the community college and started doing support work, um, ended up working at the same program um, that had helped me so much. Mm. Um, And I really was supported by the many communities that I was um, involved in and participated in and um, stayed working for that organization Mm. for 10 years. Um, yeah. Um, and other various community organizations around the Yukon. So I, um, really got to experience, um, supporting a wide variety of people and then made my way to Vancouver and now here I am. I love that. That's definitely, I guess, like a full, full circle moment for you, you know, going on that journey from, getting what you need and then learning that you want to help others as well. And then just following that path into what you're doing now. That's really beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. It's been, um, it, it really does feel like my calling uh, mm-hmm. my passion and I, I haven't, I haven't really slowed down. Uh, since I started. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. I think that means you're definitely in the right path there. <laughs> just giving, giving it your all and it's giving you so much I can imagine in return as well. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's been really, really amazing to um, be in the field for so long, um, coming from a smaller community as well. Um, just when I was back home at Christmas time, um, I ran into somebody I'd worked with like years ago, many, many years yeah. ago. And it's just, it's so beautiful and amazing to like get to, to have these tiny interactions or even if it's just like a smile and a head nod knowing that they're out there yeah Yeah. I love that so much and community is so important especially when it comes to mental health and just having any kind of support you know whether that's well community can be so many different things again it can be a center it can be family friends could be the people you work with um yeah and that part can be so easily overlooked unfortunately like I feel like sometimes we forget how important that is and what a difference that can make yeah yeah and um I mean community in exactly in so many different ways um like it can mean so many different things and the healing Mm -hmm. that can take place in in community as well but it's um the term therapy or therapeutic can mean so many different things yes um, as well yeah, it doesn't necessarily have to be a one-on-one sitting in an office or on a Zoom call as it is usually now. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. That's yeah. definitely part of it, but there's more, so much more to it. Mm-hmm. I love that. That's great. Having queer, feminist, anti-oppressive, and decolonial practices – is incredibly important to you. That's definitely something you mentioned a lot within your website. Um, and that's something I very much respect because it's mm. so important. Um, and especially with something that is like the therapist, um, psychological community, a lot of that has been so whitewashed for so long, you know, and there's a lot of hindrance that comes with that. Um, so yeah, reading that on your website as well, I was like, we need to chat about this a little bit, definitely. Um, so I'd love to hear a little bit more about that and how has using these approaches like really affected your practice? Yeah, um, it, it does. It feels, it feels so important, um, hard to define. Yeah. Um, cause really what we're looking at, um, we live in this Western culture. It's very patriarchal. Um, it's very, um, it's really focused on capitalism. It's really mm-hmm. not, um, which is really based on keeping certain groups down to lift others up. Um, yeah. and in so much of my studies, um, I have a bachelor's degree in psychology and it was very independent. Um, and it really looked at what am I doing? What are the in, just immediate family self? How do we fix this? And without zooming out at all of society and how we're all being affected by these structures that are extremely damaging. Mm-hmm. Um, these structures that are keeping people in boxes that are really keeping certain groups of people down. Um, and it's, it's pathologizing. It's blaming the person for struggling in a world that isn't set up for them. Yeah. Um, And I have experienced this myself. Um, Mm -hmm. I have many different intersecting identities that have made life harder for me. Mm -hmm. Um, And I witnessed it in my own social circles. um, And my own personal social circles. I witness it with the clients that I work with as well. Um, and I hear it in the messaging of like, I just don't know why I can't do better. I just don't know why I'm struggling. I look around and everybody else seems like they've got everything together. And I'm like, but no, like we need, to, we need to be able to relate to the context, the social context as well. Yeah. So it, it's felt really important to me to, I bring this into my work, working from an equity framework Mm -hmm. um, as well has been extremely important to me. Um, I also wouldn't be here today if I wasn't 
if I didn't have the opportunities um, and access. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, it can be so difficult. Um, I grew up in a small town and then I I did go to therapy as a kid but it was like very much I don't want to go like (laughs) (laughs) I was very stubborn about it um so it doesn't really count that much because I didn't really like do it you know it wasn't there I wasn't ready to work yet at the time um but then as I got older and was like oh no I really you know I want to do these things I want to find what's right for me Um, And then you start looking around and how inaccessible so much of it is. And then as a queer person as well, myself, like looking for something that and someone that I can speak to that can also relate on that, you know, and because so much of, you know, my identity and my trauma gets intertwined with that one piece of me and that's just one piece you know and so many people have so many pieces that are not being looked at you know as the whole picture and it's hard to find somebody or a group scenario um you know group settings where you can relate to multiple people on multiple levels and feel safe you know it's not just the textbook this is what it should be westernized whatever like there's so much more to it um especially then when you start going into the different cultures as well like you know that basic therapy like isn't going to be helpful for everybody Uh because it doesn't take that into consideration yeah and I really look at the how problematic it can be also coming from a small town as well where Mm -hmm. there wasn't a ton of diversity yeah there wasn't a lot of inclusivity um as well and so there were parts of me that couldn't come out as well mm-hmm. um, and I definitely found a place of belonging inclusivity in rave culture um mm. as well and those each one of these intersecting parts of your identity um, they all have their own stories attached onto them and when we're working with people we're working with the whole person we're not yeah. just working with one small part of them it's really important to be able to to mold and adapt and to go with the flow of of what the person is bringing to the table yeah definitely the human experience is so complicated totally totally. (laughs) yeah (laughs) oh I love that a lot because yeah so much of that I just feel like needs to be addressed so much more and like it is you know to some extent like I see a lot of people talking about it and sharing about it which I think is amazing it's taught me a lot as well um like from the outside looking in and seeing all these different um places and services that actually are offered but you have to look so hard to find them which is not fair you know like it should be so much more accessible um yeah, like it shouldn't, you know, take doom scrolling for you to be able to find what you need, you know. Um, yeah. yeah, or even uh, like going to your whoever, family, doctor or whatever, they're only going to know what they're told, which is, you know, oh, I guess I'll <laughs> I'll put you here because this is in a hospital or we'll do this group because that's what, you know, but they wouldn't ever take in consideration the different um, aspects of your identity and where you're from and who you are, unless you really push that forward with them. Yeah. It's really interesting to um, sort of sitting on the other side. Um, I, I came with a lot of life experience. I came with Mm -hmm. a lot of work experience. um, And then I did the master's program and um, being in a, a huge urban setting where there's like thousands of counselors out there um and and there's a lot of criteria of what um and language as well Mm. around sort of which trainings do you have which um which modalities do you work from um and a lot of it it's a very specific type of language that um, it's been really difficult to try and navigate. Of, mm. Well, some of this is from not from textbooks. It's from my exactly. own experience. It's from my own experience sitting 
on the side that of the client. Um, I never do anything with my clients that I haven't experienced myself mm-hmm. as well. Um, and, and I'm really focused on building the relationship with them and creating that safe space. And I'm not following a specific step A, step B, step C. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah no, I love that. I guess this would be, or correct me if I'm wrong, of course, but would this be like the person-centered practice? Like, would that be kind of what you mean by that? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, and I think it's a bit of all of it. So mm-hmm. a lot of the um, sort of these fancy words that are on there and uh, like queer, feminist, anti-oppressive, person-centered, I like to think about that as the clinical a bit of clinical jargon. Yes, for sure. Uh, <laughs> um, and really what's underneath that is a set of values of I'm really working with the whole person when I'm working with them. Um, and I'm really focused on building these relationships, building these strong, healthy relationships where the person can come in. And like what we're dealing with is a, a lot of the time really sensitive, really vulnerable, really coming from a place of like, potentially a lot of shame and to be able to work with those parts that person needs to feel really safe and it's such it's such an honor for me to get to sit there and witness and and to be with them and to hold that space with them um of and it's and I've always known this um working in the field of like wow like some of these people are coming in and I get to see parts of them that the rest of the world doesn't yeah. And it's just, it's so incredible. And it it's always awe-inspiring. It never gets old. And also welcoming in the whole person. Mm. And so I'm not saying um, I don't deal with that, go somewhere else. Um, or And I'm also saying I really want you to practice autonomy. And if this, if it doesn't feel like this is working um, or you've gotten as much as you can out of our space and time together, then I'll help you find somebody else. Um, mm. And so anybody who comes to my door, I really don't want to send them away. I'm making sure let's do what we can with what we have right now. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, that's so important too. Like, uh, I guess encouraging um, the ability of choice you know, for the, for the clients, you know, and saying like, yes, you're here for them. Um, and this is a safe space for them. And also recognizing this space might not be where they need to be always, you know, they might have that next step, which is a wonderful thing. You know, that means yes. they got what they needed from you on that part of their journey and they're moving on to the next part of their journey, or maybe they're not quite ready for you yet and they need to go somewhere else and then come back, you know, and it's always different depending on the person and where they're at. The one thing that I've always kind of, I struggled with, with a lot of the like, um, I guess, lower cost sessions that like I've done a couple times, which were great when, you know, finances are extra tight and all of that. Uh, And, but then they were always like set sessions of like, oh, it's eight weeks. Oh, it's 10 weeks. Mm -hmm. Um, And that felt so limiting because it is (laughs) you know but I was extremely lucky at one point we have a center here in Toronto um the 519 and it's an amazing community center for queer people um and people of color and they very much uh they put in a lot of work to provide different services for free um so which which is incredible um so right before pandemic, I ended up going there and getting into one of their programs, which was an eight-week therapy session. Um, but the therapist I had was actually really incredible and ended up adding in a couple extra Fabulous. <laughs> for for me because it, it was needed and they saw that and they very much wanted to, you know, give me, again, that choice of like, would you like to come back one or two more times so we feel this feel a little bit more finished, you know, and we can get through to that, you know, next step, um, which I knew that they did not have to do that. Right. right. But they were someone who took the job and made it about the people exactly like you're doing, you know, and gave that little bit extra, which 
you know, it was only one or two more days, one or two more hours. But for me, I like in that moment is everything, you know, yeah. just have somebody and say, I see you. Let's do a little bit more instead of saying, sorry, the system says this. I can't do anything else. Yeah. Well, and those one or two hours, we never know. Like we don't know mm-hmm. what you can get out of that one or two hours. Like those exactly. aha moments. Um, sometimes they surprise you too. Um, and I do, I walk into all sessions. I don't know what's going to come out of those sessions or if you're going to have an aha moment or what you're going to take away from them because it's yeah. so deeply personal. Um, and it, I also had, I, it's been very difficult for me to sit on the other side as well in these urban settings. Mm-hmm. Um, cause I accessed free mental health care for most of my life. The Yukon has um, quite good uh, access to mm-hmm. mental health care. Um, so coming to Vancouver and I actually went through a bit of a culture shock, um, of how limited some of the things can be. And when you're doing some of that deeper work, um, and really facing some, some of these really deep seated places, um, we need time and space and we don't want to feel rushed Yeah. either. We want, I hope, um, that we can allow the time and space to do the exploratory work, um, to ground in together, to establish the safety it's mm-hmm. really hard to do that in eight sessions. Oh, definitely. It takes quite a while to like build the relationship where you are comfortable enough, you know, to let down the extra walls that you ha- have up, you know, actually speak honestly mm-hmm. um, and openly and then, you know, let the, I guess, let the dynamic flow a little bit more naturally. And it takes a while to figure out if it's going to work or not. Like, I've definitely had a couple therapists, like, post uh, COVID, I was like, okay, got to get into it. <laughs> Let's get this healing going. Um, and, you know, the first person I had, I liked her. I was like, okay, like, you know, she's cool. And then after a couple sessions, I realized that I was being dismissed constantly. And it was subtle, but I was like, oh, that's not actually helpful, you know? And then I had to be like, that's not what I need, you know? And she was great in some areas, mm-hmm. and but there was one area that was just so, and it was a very big one for me, but that area, she just would so quickly turn it into something else. Mm-hmm. And I was like, and again, it was just very much like her thought process. Right. Yeah. And I'm like, you know, that's how you feel. That's how you think that's fine for you. But she never opened it up for me. So then I was like, okay, this isn't going to work. And then I had to, you know, go through that emotional roller coaster of like, okay, I just spent all this time and this money with this person and it didn't work out. Now I have to go search and find somebody new, uh, which can be disheartening. But when you do find the right person and you do find that good connection, it is so honestly, I think it's beautiful. Like I have a therapist now who I absolutely adore and she's so sweet um, and she just I feel seen, you know, like I feel like a human being, (laughs) not a client. I feel like a human, (laughs) which I think is, that's incredibly important. And like with how you're speaking and talking about your practice, that very much sounds like what you do and what you prioritize, you know, and like, even though they are clients, you see them as humans and as people, you know, they're not, they're so much more than that. And I think that is incredibly important to highlight and um, we need so much more of that, you know, and I feel like that's something that is starting to grow a little bit within therapy field, at least from what I've seen, um, and what I've heard from others as well. And what I've looked at, um, that seems to be, there seems to be like a little bit of a light shining there on just a little bit of a a shift in the way that therapy is now being practiced. That is a little bit more human like instead of <laughs> to clinical yeah I hope so I yeah. hope um that that's the shift that we are going on um I yeah I think it hurts my heart a little bit when if I hear I've 
heard of people's experiences mm-hmm. um, in the in the mental health field or um, like accessing care, uh, clients accessing care. Um, I'm reminded often that there's still a lot of work to do mm-hmm. um, and that it's going to be continuing of the learning and unlearning process um, with new practitioners um, yes. and getting comfortable. And um, I really approach my work as not being the expert. Um, and I really pull on people's strengths um, as well and really try and do things collaboratively. Um, mm-hmm. That's not always what people are looking for. As yeah, well. that's true. Um, I something that you said in there that I was like oh yeah I want to touch on this um oh it's being aware of my own biases as well mm, um, yes and and places that I um either I'm if I have a strong bias in a certain stance I will often let that be known mm-hmm. um and I'm constantly checking in with my clients to see how are we doing are you getting what you need um is there something that I'm like struggling with or that I have a bias that I'm not going to be able to shift my opinion on this? Mm -hmm. Um, And can you access what you need somewhere else then? Um, Yeah. And so, and I love that. I love that you pointed that out of um, being like, Oh no, I just like kept kind of running into this wall with this therapist. And Mm -hmm. um, and because we all have different biases. Oh, definitely. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I feel like that's a normal part of it. And then, yeah, like you said, it's just about checking in like as a patient and as a therapist, like just both of you, you know, checking in to make sure that the relationship can work because we will have different life experiences and different opinions and thoughts and all of these things. And that can be really beautiful because it can also sometimes open your mind or challenge a thought process which can you know open you to learn more which I love but sometimes it is a little bit on the stronger side and then maybe you can't or won't shift for whatever reason you know and you don't necessarily even have to provide it but letting that dialogue move and be open so that you can both kind of decide and talk about that and be like okay is this something yeah. that we can move forward with or is it actually going to get in the way? Yeah. Well, and as a client, um, I'm like, I, I love that you, that you were able to check in with yourself and that you didn't have to do the extra work um, mm-hmm. either of being like, this isn't working. Like something didn't feel right. You practice your own autonomy and said, no, this, this feels yucky. Yeah. Somewhere else. Yeah. also feels important definitely as well yeah yeah autonomy is so big (laughs) I uh, actually recently finished reading a book um embodied healing um and it's focuses yoga like uh, trauma-informed yoga practice um which I've always been fascinated about because I am a mover and a dancer and I've done lots of yoga and like I have a huge um connection to my body with my healing you know like so that's a big part of me and always has been um and then I got interested in this book because I also know things like that can be extremely triggering for people so I just you know I saw this book and I was like I'm just very fascinated on how they're gonna approach this And the whole book was just filled with all these different stories from different facilitators and clients. Um, And they all gave their different experiences. But every single story talked about autonomy and choice and how important that was. And as even as a dance teacher and I teach kids as well, and I'm like just making sure that they have choice, you know, and it's not I'm not. Yes, I'm teaching them choreography and whatever, but I'm not telling them who they are as a person. I'm not dictating their every breath and move. Like I can't, like, that's not fair. They're children and they need to have fun. Like, you know, (laughs) uh, you know, and like finding that balance. So I found it very interesting. So autonomy has been coming up a lot lately, at least on my end, um, within that book. And then like this conversation and then even myself and 
thinking about the choices that I have and like making sure people in my life have choices and like and all the different relationships and just really realizing how important that is and how much it affects us when we don't feel like we have a choice. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I, I see, I'm so glad to hear um, these spaces, uh, sort of like dance spaces, movement spaces, um, taking on a bit more of a trauma-informed lens mm-hmm. um, and how important and how integral it is and how I think I'm because of my training, because of my work experience, my life experience, I'm very hyper aware of it. So I can feel it when I walk into a space. Yeah. Um, that is their choice here. How much power are we giving to the people that we're working with? Um, and coming from that queer feminist anti-oppressive practice, um, it really is about choice and it's really about giving the power back to the clients. And the people mm-hmm. um, whether they're small children where they can yeah. get to practice um, and figuring out how much space we can give people and giving power back to them um, because we really do live in a world that we're often told what to do. Yeah. Um, and I think about this with um, sort of our, these sort of formal education places um mm-hmm. schools we're told when to eat when to yes where to be when to exercise yep. um and and then we get to the other side and we're like hey wait a minute I I don't know how to do this on my own somebody else yeah. has always told me yeah um and so wherever I can get like these little bits in here of like no I want you to choose yes this is a safe space that you get to figure out what you like and um the embodiment practice. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had a very simple, profound experience um, last year where I've been somatic, sort of somatics and somatic therapies mm-hmm. uh, newer to me. And um, I'd worked in fields of trauma and addictions for a long time um, and substance use and had done many, many hours of talk therapy and EMDR and all of these things. And the somatic bit, I was like, this one's harder for my brain to grasp. And then there was a very simple um, moment that I had during um, a meditative journey and, and sort of this little message that came through that was just said, this is what a yes feels like. This is what a yes feels like in your body. And I was like, oh, like that was like profound. Um, yeah. So I encourage people to get to ch- tune in. Of like, no, your body has a ton of messages for you. Yes, it does. Yeah. And learning how to listen to it mm-hmm. is actually incredibly difficult when you <laughs> haven't really had that, you know, your whole life, and like especially bringing up like the school system and all of that, it is so scheduled and mm-hmm. ex- the expectations are so specific, you know, that yeah. you're supposed to follow. And I grew up dancing and everything was so yes. specific and rigid in the scheduling. And then it wasn't until I was an adult and it was like, Hey, you can freestyle, you can do this. And I was like, what? I generally, <laughs> I, did, I didn't know. And I was like, I've been a dancer my whole life and I don't understand because no one's telling me what to do right now. And I was lost. Yeah. And I felt so confused. Yes. <laughs> you yes. know, and I'm like, huh. And like <laughs> now that I'm, you know, I've gotten through that and like understood that now as a teacher, that's why I try very hard to implement that because I'm like, I see the, I see what it did to me and it like affected my life as a whole. Yeah. You know, like waiting for someone to tell me what to do. Absolutely. And I'm like, I could tell myself what to do, you know, like, <laughs> wait a minute, I can, I can figure this out. Um, yeah. And I feel like, again, that's something that's being a little bit more talked about and actually used in spaces, whether it's like free time here or um, different variables in classes that you can do so that there's, you know, something. Um, and then again, like even 
parental figures or whoever, like just making sure that the child has time that is not scheduled, you know, like, of course, you know, scheduling is important to a certain degree. You have to learn how to do things and learn what you want to do. Um, and eat, of course, and like do all this, you know, there's things that do have to be scheduled, but making sure there's time to just exist and let the kids make choices so that they know how to do that by the time they're older. And then, you know, life gets a little bit easier, hopefully, (laughs) you know, you can make those choices for yourself and understand what that means instead of being in your thirties, forties, fifties, being like, I've never made a choice for myself. I've never listened to my body before. Cause that is yeah. so real. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And, and I, I think a lot of what I'm doing often or I'm thinking about is, is balance. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it's such a simple word and we use it all the time, but um, I'm often thinking about how many things are neutral. So we're just like scheduling is okay. It's okay yeah. to have a schedule. Yeah. Um, and then we'll often get, grasp onto it and say okay well where do we need to loosen um and as life comes at us because it does mm-hmm. um we'll start to grasp onto other areas and so it, the balance isn't a thing that we just one day establish and we figure out the exact formula for it it's constantly moving exactly yeah and we just kind of have to shift with it and move with it and yeah do our best to just be kind to ourselves along the way you know (laughs) which is also hard (laughs) yeah and so when I'm working with people I'm thinking again the sort of one size doesn't fit all Mm -hmm. um, because everybody's at a different place and everybody's learning how to balance different things that are sort of go-to spots that you need to um It's so, uh, so important to just take, I think, some time for everybody just to kind of sit with ourselves sometimes and just kind of check in, you know, like you would with a boss or a friend or a relationship. You know what I mean? Like, just check in with yourself and be like, okay, how am I feeling? Like, what is my body saying to me? You know, like, our body does speak so much. Like, mm-hmm. I'm a very stressed out person all of the time and anytime I like (laughs) go to like the chiropractor they're like Michelle relax I'm like I am they're like no you're not (laughs) you know I'm like okay uh you know like we hold tension in so many places our you know like our internal organs also get affected by literally everything like you know like our bodies tell us so much and they also tell us when things are safe um you know, and when it we should say yes to things, when it will be helpful, you just have to like sit back and listen. And learning how to actually do that is, I think, extremely difficult, especially with the constant stimulation of the world. Yes, yes. You know, that's just a whole other thing on top of it. But, <laughs> you know, taking space away from it when you can and just touching base with your body, with your mind and like just trying to feel for a little bit. So then when you do go into sessions or you go into work or you go into wherever, like, you know what you need, or at least have a basic idea of what you need. You might need help with someone, you know, from someone to help kind of get you there fully, of course, and help pull it out. But you can at least kind of have that base um, and just start that journey from somewhere, you know, safe and calm and that, you know, because, you know, we're, I guess, like, the uh, professionals of ourself, you know, like we know ourselves the best, Um, you know, like we know our bodies, we know when something doesn't feel right, even if you don't necessarily have the words for it, um, but you can still feel it and maybe say, okay, this feels off right now. I don't know why. And then Mm -hmm. someone can help out within that space. Yeah. And there's a reconnection piece, um, I think, Partially because our society, we're not built to tune in. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are things everywhere that are encouraging us to tune out. Exactly. Uh, whether it's 
social media, having music on in the background. I live in an urban setting. There's traffic and lights and shiny yes. things. And, yes. <laughs> um, getting constant information all the time and um, in the rat race all the time too, where we're needing more, more information, mm-hmm. more products, more everything. And so part of the therapeutic space gets to be just getting to sit down and slow down and take a moment and be in this space together and and be like, okay, we, where do we want to go? What, how do we want to spend our time? What needs to show up? Um, and it gets to be an hour that you set aside where you're mm-hmm. like, I'm not asking you more or where to be or what to do. And you just get, you get to decide. Yeah, yeah whatever goal you have, you know, like that you're planning to reach, like you can get there however quickly or slowly you need, like there's no timeline for that, you know, and having the safe space to just sit in it and figure it out, you know, uh, you don't have to have all the answers. That's what the space is for is to kind of help get there safely um, within a relationship that you feel good and trust and, yeah, yeah, I love that the you like you as the client, the person, the human makes that choice, mm-hmm. and then you're there to support them as they make those choices and help them along the way, and kind of like emotionally hold their hand, you know, and uh, keep yeah. them safe and supported. It's definitely what I love about the job, um, mm. and I, I think I want. culture that talks about like quick fixes um, yes as well and and I don't know I don't know if I believe in quick fixes mm. uh, either I think part the money part of things can make things a little bit more difficult which is yes. why I have made like a sliding scale and um, I follow that and I work heavily with the indigenous population um, as well where there's some funding there where we mm-hmm. have a bit more opportunity um because I don't want finances to be a barrier and as soon as you start putting um money and value and um into the mix it starts to change things up a bit um, Mm -hmm. which can be complicated and difficult to navigate um, yeah definitely there's value and worth attached onto that then as well um and so it's starting to deconstruct some of that um, yeah Oh, definitely. I can imagine. Like, yeah, because there's like certain rules and regulations and all of these things that make it tricky. But you, of course, want to like do as much as you can to help those who need it because you, well, you should. <laughs> that's the job, right? So, like, that's what you should be wanting to do. Um, and just finding that balance and being able to open up the space for as many people who need it as possible. Um, it's not an easy thing to do. No, it's a, no. It's a balance. And it's constantly yeah, shifting. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So you kind of just have to always be ready to shift and move with it. Um, and yeah, because honestly, yeah, it's hard. And like I've experienced that as well where like you, you're like, okay, yeah, like I should be in therapy right now, but it's that or groceries. I probably should pick groceries just because, you know, I need to eat. Uh, and that's ridiculous. Like when you think about that. You know, like, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, accessibility in general, Mm -hmm. I think, to to mental health um, and therapy and and being able to meet the clients where they're at. um, That's what we're trained, that's what we're taught. um, And, and there, I think you can see it with different organizations who are doing more of the frontline work. Who are yes. working with um, more marginalized populations, um, and it's it's tough work, um, mm-hmm. and the burnout rates are high. A lot of the time, the, the staff are overworked. Um, yeah, it's often, and I, that was most of my the first ten years um, of my career was working those jobs. Mm-hmm. Um, doing the frontline work a lot of it's doing 
like immediate support, um, more crisis work. Um, It's very draining. It's very hard on the system. It's very, it can be quite heartbreaking at times as well. Um, Definitely. And, and it just shows how much more of it we need, how much more Mm -hmm. funding we need to be able to keep these going, how much more training we need. And some of the, the best parts of those jobs was that it was really peer-led a lot of the time Mm. a lot of the staff aren't they don't have a master's degree yeah Um, it's people with life experience who um who've been there who want to give back who um are kind and caring and loving and supporting and some of the best counselors that I've seen um who don't have the master's degree right yeah who are just just kind loving good-hearted humans who mm. have empathy and compassion. That's exactly what it is. You know, it, it again, going all the way back to community, right? Like that is what that becomes. And I think that gets, again, left behind sometimes. Like the urgency of what's actually needed there, it's, it's just so easily forgotten. Yeah, which absolutely. is wild because it's so necessary (laughs) all of the time and everywhere you know like we need it so much um but yeah like the reality is it is extremely draining and takes a lot out of the people who are helping and doing the counseling or volunteering or whatever it is like it's gonna take a lot so when you don't have enough people and resources to even help the people who are doing the volunteering (laughs) or the counseling like then how do you let that trickle down to the people who need the help like it's just yeah it's very very difficult um and I you know obviously I feel like one of many of our hopes and dreams of the future is that it's less you know straining on the people who are there to help down the road so that then they can give more to those who need it. Yeah. And I hope that like, and I, I think the having conversations like this, um, Mm -hmm. and, um, I think a lot from my experience, uh, we do, we need these large structural changes. We, and yes, can start in these micro ways. Um, yeah. through co- these conversations um, and that we, do, we need more support for the people doing the frontline work um, yeah. as well and, and those people who don't have a master's degree who, are, who really are working in community all the time um, there's lifers who are doing that work mm-hmm. um, and they also need to be recognized as well yeah. Hope is that other therapists, um, the ones who've gone through and done their master's programs, or that they um, haven't been involved or witnessed or got to see the beauty in those communities as well, yeah, have an opportunity to experience that. Because when, mm-hmm. when we're sitting in our offices um, and we're working with clients one on one, and really distanced from Mm. really getting to witness um and I think there can be a lot of biases um or not understanding when you haven't been a part of the culture before definitely witness firsthand yeah um the strengths that come in community Um, Mm -hmm. and and I feel very fortunate because experience of being a member of different communities um, and getting to witness um, and be a part of and be a member of some of these more marginalized communities um, yeah that there's a lot of fear around and there's a lot of stigma and there's a lot of biases that come up and mm. I've, I've also got to witness people taking care of one another yeah and that's so beautiful like having honestly like I feel like having that very integrated community and clinical combination 
as a therapist is probably so incredibly powerful because when you're doing the studying and the researching and all of that, like, yes, you are learning a lot, but there's so much that you're going to miss because you're not in it, you know, like you said, and taking the time to be in it, whether it happens to be life experience for yourself or taking the time to step away from the office, step away from the clinical side and integrate yourself and do the hands-on work. So you as a therapist, um, psychiatrist, whoever can just like be in it and see the magic of the support and the community you know, and then bring that back into the practice later. Like that would be absolutely incredible and so beneficial. It's such a humbling, I think. Um, Mm, Yeah. As well, getting to step out and getting to, I don't know if we ever really get to take off our professional hats, Um, (laughs) but there's something really, really humbling about as not mm-hmm. the professional, as not the expert. Um, yeah. Getting, getting to win us, getting to learn. Yeah. Um, from community too. Yeah. yeah. It's just yeah. learning in a different way, which is, I think, really beautiful. Um, and can help so many people just to get a different view and understand, again, just the human experience in a different way. Yes. I feel like I could keep talking for... <laughs> Seven more hours. (laughs) But I feel like we should wrap it up. Um, But that was (laughs) that was um, a very moving conversation. So thank you so much for sharing that um, and sharing a bit of your experiences and what it's like, honestly, from your point of view to do what you do and how you do it. Um, And I think you are the type of professional that people, at least from my point of view, (laughs) might be a biased opinion, but that's okay, uh, would, (laughs) the type of therapist that people would, you know, hope for, you know, and look for. Um, Again, as someone who specifically, like, I am an artist, so I am very, like, in, uh, I work very intuitively and all of that kind of stuff. So, like, having that connection with who I work with so closely on something that's so personal is important to me. Um, Other people, of course, will have other things that are like their top, you know, need, you know, so we need a little bit of everything for everybody. Um, But I definitely feel that a lot of people must very much appreciate what you do. Um, And as someone who does appreciate it, I want to thank you for what you do. Um, It is very much incredible, the work that you are doing. Um, So thank you again for sharing a little bit of yourself with us here today. Oh my goodness. Thank you so much. This has been, uh, this is my first podcast that I've done. Oh, exciting. Uh, So thank you. It it has been a very good experience. I'm so Um, glad. Thank you everyone for listening. Thank you, Chantel, for joining us. This is Moving Beyond Stigma. My name is Michelle Crossman and until next time. (music) Thank you.